definitely human. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. a public information announcement. After an attack is over and the all-clear has been sounded, arrangements will be made as soon as possible to treat any people who are ill or injured. Listen to your radio. Details will be given about what to do, when to do it, and how. If anyone dies while you are in your bunker, move the body to another room and try to forget about it. Label the body with name and address and cover it as tightly as possible in plastic wrap. If, however, you have had a body in the house for more than a day, chop it into six pieces and store it in the freezer. You never know. If you think it is safe to go outside, don't. It probably isn't. Wait it out a while longer. Watch some movies. Play a game of Monopoly. Don't go outside. It's Monday, 20 to 6, month 4, year 2414, and my name is David. That's my name too, but not mine. You're listening to The Bunker, a radio station for the Post Society, and spring is finally upon us. So wrap up warm, listeners, because the wasteland is once again an icy tundra. Dave, how's the traffic looking out there? Well, things are looking rather quiet in the waste today, David. The landscape above us is an endless white void, punctuated only by the immense tracks left behind by unseen and unknowable creatures. Anyone outside will probably be feeling somewhat chilly, and then quite dead, as blizzards become more frequent over the coming months. Coming up on today's show, an interview with comedian and children's author Katie Wilkins, a short story by a genuine wastelander, and of course, today's topic, which is conflict. We'll also be getting back in touch with Martin the Transient, who will be telling us a bit about our inescapable fates, and a brand new segment about... 
a, a brand new segment about gardening, where we'll be calling up... <clears throat> calling up Marisha Trombetska, who has apparently found a way to grow edible vegetation. Uh, David. Not now, Tom, I'm doing the introduction. But I think someone's knocking at the door. I don't hear anything. Whoa, Tom, where, where are you going? To open the door? There's someone out there, we should let them in. It might be Rob. I doubt it's Rob. It doesn't matter, we have to help them. We can't just keep letting random people in, Tom. It's too dangerous. Dave, back me up here. Uh, Dave, come on. Well, I'm letting him in. Tom, no! Who's there? It's a female. My name is Katie. Do you remember me? Uh, let's cut to something. Hear that? That's the sound of everything falling apart. <laughs> it was bound to happen sooner or later. My name is Catherine. It doesn't matter who I was or what I did. I'm something different now. We all are. The year is 2313. It's Monday, and this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with several really big bangs. You know, the apocalypse was supposed to be a good thing. God would shake the Etch-a-Sketch of this world and his chosen few would live on, immortal, while the sinners all disappeared, like dust in the wind. Problem is, we're all sinners, really, in one way or another, especially the people who think they aren't. And so the apocalypse isn't about salvation, it's about losing everything we treasure. All the glorious and tangible stuff of this material world. You want a piece of me? Suck on this! And how did this happen? I mean, who's to blame, really? The machines? We built computers to liberate us from our miserable conveyor belt existence. We figured we'd let the machines do all the hard work, but they ultimately distorted and simplified the world around us, trapping us in a system of control ruled by meaningless numbers and statistics. We left the running of the world to these computers while our society turned into a pantomime where moral values and basic intelligence were replaced by greed, materialism, and apathy. A world where culture had a facelift. Kids grew up with an unhealthy amount of media consumption, and now they're all sick in the head, all tuning into the idiot box and watching some zealous celebrity quaffing marinated badger testicles. And that's considered normal. And that's the worst thing about it. We just accepted this is the way society works now. Yes, screw you two! Our unquenchable thirst for constant entertainment, information, and stimulation is kind of responsible for the questionable actions of both the media and our governments. The powers that be were responding to us. They were changing for us. They had to adapt to the exponential growth of bullshit that we people have been perpetuating. That's right, we're the ones who did this. 
There's no nasty man with pointy horns to blame. We've shat in the bed, and now we have to lie in it. We pushed our world to breaking point, and now guess what? It's broken. We've ruined everything forever. But here's the thing. The end of the world is kinda exciting. See, the problem with heaven is there's no drama. I mean, that's the point, right? Eternal bliss or whatever. But without drama, there's no story. And if there's no story, then what's the point? I've often welcomed the end of civilization. I mean, it could be nice, couldn't it? To forget about the made up systems that govern our lives, to not have to worry about money or trivial social norms. How silly it all was. How it all seemed like children playing with their banks and their politics and their etiquettes, acting like it was all so important as if any of it really mattered. And so, as you flee your suburban homes and the possessions that define your identity are engulfed by flames, rejoice! As the neighbors you swap sugar with now try to eat you, rejoice! As the world you know becomes something you couldn't have imagined, rejoice! This is a new beginning, a world full of drama, and we are story animals. We live for drama. Who knows? Maybe this is the trigger we need to elevate our lives from stagnation to something exceptional. This could be the event that makes us come alive, really alive, for the first time. And all it took was the end of everything. listening to the bunker and we have a guest katie why don't you tell our listeners a bit about yourself um my name's katie i used to live up north until savages massacred my tribe and forced me on the run all right let's keep it light this is a family show um since then i've been moving from place to place you know surviving by any means possible and what are your long-term plans settle down start a family well i would like to find the savages who butchered my people and bathe in their blood right of course. You look tired. Uh, do you want to take a nap or something? God, yes. I haven't slept for days. You can take Dave's bed. It's just over there. Oh, thanks. No problem. She seems nice. She is insane and she can't stay here. I'd feel bad about turning her away now. It's not very 
Gallant. What on earth are you talking about? She is a wastelander. She comes from outside. They're not like us, Dave. They're filthy, ignorant creatures, violent and- We're still on air. And obviously there's a distinction to be drawn between those particular wastelanders and our wonderful listeners. <laughs> um, coming up later, a short story and an interview. But first, something from the edutainment vault. That's education and entertainment together, just as nature intended. Enjoy. When people discuss books and films casually, the words story and plot are often used interchangeably. So a person might say, I did not enjoy the new Star Wars films because the story sucked. Or, I did not enjoy the new Star Wars films because the plot sucked. And you would have a good idea of what they were referring to. But, there is a difference between story and plot. And for those of us looking to learn more about storytelling, The distinction is important. In the most basic of terms, story tells us what happens, while plot tells us how it happens. In his work, Aspect of the Novel, E.M. Foster famously explained the difference with the following example. The king died and then the queen died. This is the story. The king died and then the queen died of grief. This is the plot. The key difference here is causality. If we are just given the story breakdown, then it's possible the two deaths are coincidences. The king died after sleeping in the bath, and the queen was hit by an ox cart. But when we get the plot, we start to understand how they are linked. The king's death led to the queen's death because of the grief it caused her. Stories, in this sense, are very vague. In fact, story is such a vague and general thing that some say all stories can be boiled down into seven basic archetypes. It's then the plot that allows those seven basic stories to be spun into an infinite number of different tales. But plot only reveals part of how a narrative is told. To truly understand it, we need to look into the wider discourse, which plot is a part of, but also includes elements such as narrative voices, who speaks to the audience, narrative modes, being shown events versus being told about them, time, the order of events. These, as well as a few other details, combine to tell us what happens, how it happens, and how it is presented to us, the audience. So next time you leave a criticism at a film or book, consider, is it the story, the plot, or some wider element of discourse that you're talking about. Some lesson to carry with me, heavy and soothing, like a gentle symphony. 
I don't think that's a rock or a boulder. I think it's alive. And I think it's coming right for us. Marine, scramble! You're listening to The Bunker, old school radio at its finest. That's right, Dave. We're so old school, we're practically proto-human. <laughs> yes, the last of a dying breed, slowly being replaced by a more climatized species of hominid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what do you make of Katie? It's a bit odd having female company in The Bunker. You know, a girl. A real girl. Mm. Yeah, she seems alright. I'd love to ask her some questions, though, when she wakes up, about what it's really like out there in the wasteland. I bet she's got some great stories. Yeah. Maybe don't bring that up. I'm not sure how much she wants to talk about that, you know, out there. Oh, do you think? I mean, she has only just got away from all of that. Yeah, but she's safe now. But still, it was probably all very traumatic for her. Yeah, you're right. Coming up in a bit, we'll be chatting to Martin the Transient, but first... Drugs. When they're illegal, they're bad. But when they're taxable, they're good. At Brightside, we're experts in manufacturing and patenting pharmaceutical drugs. Over the years, we've produced many expensive, life-saving medicines that may or may not work. But we've never made a drug that puts a smile on someone's face. Until now. Introducing Uppers for Elders. Why should really cool young people have all the fun when it comes to pill-popping? The elderly are living longer and longer and are often confused and bored by the present day. Let's give them a piece of the action with Brightside's brand new range of amphetamines and barbiturates. Here's what 120-year-old Margaret from Stoke Newington had to say as she literally sobbed with joy. Oh God, my insides are burning. I just want to dance. She just wants to dance, folks. Good for you, Margaret. And 130-year-old Brett from Southampton had a skip injected into his step today. Here he is now! What a party animal! Since your elderly loved ones are going to keep on living into their hundreds, you owe it to yourself and to them to make their company a little more exciting. Just think of all the new personalities they'll have. Brightside. If happiness can't be bought, then I guess we don't understand happiness. Greetings, wanderers. I am Martin the Transient. Now, you probably didn't know this, but on the day you were born, the celestial bodies aligned to form a geometric pattern of cosmic energy that is unique to you. It's a fingerprint from the heavens, and defines not only who you are, but also who you will be. It also dictates seemingly random outside forces that affect your life and, bear with me, your general health and how long you will actually live for. Now this month, it is April, which means Mars and, by extension, war. Of course, this isn't to be taken literally, unless you're an Aries, and then you should absolutely take it literally. Mars is all about anger, 
aggression, animosity, tempers, rage, vexation, fury, aggression, infuriation, antagonism, and sex. This is going to be a good time for Taurus. Everyone else should probably just stay out of the way. was Martin calling in from the wasteland, where he belongs. It's always reassuring to hear that there are still some remnants of humanity out there. Perhaps one day we might even join them, right David? Absolutely not Tom. Next up, a short story. This month we thought we'd try something a little different, so here's a transmission from one of our listeners, Luke Georgewell, uh, who is out in the wasteland as we speak. Uh, So this is Luke's story. Over to you, Luke. My name is Luke. I lived in Sector 15 all my life. My tribe's leader decided we had to go. I had no choice. I do what I'm told. Once you go, there's no coming back. That's the rule. Anyway, it's just me and my sister now. Yesterday we were sweeping a house for food and medicine. Supplies at our camp had been running dangerously low. We found some bandages and a bottle of antibiotics, but no food. Sarah... My sister, she was looking out the window. She said to me, look, there are trees outside. I'd noticed them before, vast white forests, strangled trees under a blanket of snow. Sarah said there might be some mushrooms we could pick. I couldn't help but smile. Maybe we'll find some berries too. Her face lit up when I said that. I took my nine-year-old sister's hand and headed for the forest. I struggled to recall how much time had passed. As we foraged, there was this overwhelming serenity. The real world seemed so distant, so alien. For the first time in a long while, I didn't feel afraid. The peace was shattered when I heard a dull thud behind me. I turned to see my little sister lying motionless on the ground. She was breathing slowly like a great weight was crushing her chest. Her skin was hot and her eyes fluttered wildly. I held my sister in my arms and ran. I ran blindly through the trees, eventually breaking through into a clearing. And there I found this building, this abandoned home. I put my sister down on the sofa. She wasn't looking at me. Her eyes were open but fixed in a fearful gaze at the empty space ahead of her. It was some time before I realised she was dead. I've been in this house for a while now. I can't bear to leave her by herself. I found this radio upstairs still working. I don't know if anyone can hear this, but you have to get the word out. The plague is spreading fast. I don't know if anything can stop it. Back at our camp, we burned the bodies of those who died, hoping to stop the infection. I can't do it, though. Not to Sarah. 
There's nothing left to live for now anyway. My sister is gone. And once you go, there's no coming back. That's the rule. Sarah. Sarah. Well, that was depressing. Uh, let's never do that again. Ah, looks like there's someone else on the line. Uh, hello, caller. You're on the air. What's your name and what's your story? Kello. My name is Kello. I am a courier. I've been dispatched by Donnie's Deliveries to bring you your valuable goods. Ah, the biscuits. Just what we've been waiting for. Indeed. I have your coordinates, but if you could provide any further details about your location to aid me on my quest, then I would offer a thousand thanks in return. Hmm. Uh, well, if you're heading from the east, we're about 20 miles from the orphan graveyard. Uh, just follow the trail of collapsed buildings and smashed up old world vehicles. But if you come to a vast, apparently bottomless crack in the earth that seems to split the very planet in two, you've gone too far. Gentle lords, I humbly thank you for your concise and illuminating directions. With these landmarks as my lighthouse, my horse as my ship, and your biscuit, says my cargo. I shall voyage across this treacherous tundra and will not stop until I reach my destination. But how are you going to survive the wasteland in the spring? Surely it's too dangerous. Your concern is touching but unnecessary. I am a courier. I shall let no obstacle impede me. I shall let no man or beast touch your goods. I shall let no sirens seduce me or distract me from my righteous path. And if any should try, they shall meet death with my sword by way of introduction. You see, we couriers have a saying. Deliver the package by the specified time and get a signature. The exact meaning has been lost over time, but to me that means delivery or death in 21 to 28 working days. Right. Well... Thank you, Callow. We look forward to you making your delivery on time. Not as much as I, sir. Not as much as I.
listening to The Bunker, the best radio... <clears throat> oh, oh, sorry. Thanks for letting me crash it up. I haven't slept that well for a long time. Yeah, you must have had, what, a good 20 minutes? Oh, at least. So, Katie, what's it like outside? Tom. What? Yeah, it's all right, you know. It's like it's always been, at least as long as I've been alive anyway. I mean, you must know. You must go out there occasionally. Not really. What can you tell us about the people? Katie, I've just realised you must be starving. Um, yeah, a bit. Yeah. And why don't you uh, go help yourself to breakfast? The kitchen's just through there. Eat as much as you like. The powdered eggs are delicious. Oh, wow. Really? Great. Cheers. No problem. Now, spring is a time... I might help her, actually. What? And in the kitchen, she's probably never used kitchen appliances before, so... Yeah, I'm going to go and help her. Right. Shall we get on with the show, or would you like to interrupt me as well? No, no. On with the show. All right, then. Now, spring is a time of ice and death, but it wasn't always like that. Once upon a time, it was actually associated with growth and rebirth. Fields of flowers bloomed under clear blue skies, while baby animals like puppies and lambs emerged from bloody amniotic sacs. It was all very twee. During that time, people ate food that had actually been grown in the earth itself. Now, to you and I, that sounds like science fiction, but Elder Marisha Trombetska argues that it's not only possible, but that she has been doing it for years. Marisha, thanks for joining us today. You are welcome, David. It is an honour to speak with an ancient such as yourself. Well, less of the ancient, please. I'm not that old. You are unimaginably old. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Marisha? Well, many years ago, I found myself lost and alone, dragging myself through the endless dust of the wasteland. My legs were broken, but I was not. I clung to life like a worm on a hook. And then... Just as I began to feel the great hand of God lifting me up by the scruff of my neck to carry me into the great beyond, I saw it. A dawn. Hmm. Is all this backstory really necessary? The dust cleared. For a brief moment, and I beheld a great dome. An enormous bubble of steel and glass. And within such wonders, a paradise here on Earth, a fully formed, self-sustained ecosystem. Imagine, if you can, a very large garden or a very small planet. And you've lived there ever since? Yes, and I'm not the only one. Many more have joined me here in the bubble. It is a kind of sanctuary for lost souls. A heaven for those not yet willing to die. You got in touch with us by post, claiming to have knowledge of the ancient practice of gardening. Yes, I do. Just ask my friends here. It's true. We are able to grow and eat our own food in the bubble, even as the wasteland freezes outside. Elder Trembeska has shown us the way. And when the weather is more versatile, we're even able to grow fruits and vegetables out there. So there's really no excuse, fellow wastelanders. Put aside your spears and axes and pick up a spade. So, what's on the menu? Today we're sowing seeds, specifically pea seeds. If you want to try this at home... First, you'll need a trench about 4 centimetres deep and 15 centimetres wide. Water the soil and then sow your pea seeds into the trench, about 5 centimetres apart, two rows for each trench. 
you'll need to provide supports as the peas will climb out of the earth. So push upright sticks or bones into the ground along the length of each trench to provide something for your peas to cling to. Water regularly, but don't overfeed. You'll want to harvest the peas often to encourage more pods. And there you have it, peas. A quick and simple meal in as little as 11 to 12 weeks. That seems like quite a long time to wait for a meal. You have to plan in advance. That is key. Hmm. Wow, thank you so much for getting in touch, Marisha. This has been really eye-opening. I hope you come back on the show next month. But of course. Farewell for now, ancient ones. May Earth be with you. Well, that was fascinating. To think people don't just survive in the wastelands, they actually live. Well, that's debatable. Oh, come on, you heard her. She's happy. Clearly the wasteland's not as bad as we thought. Falsifiable. She was eating vegetables. David, vegetables. Do you remember those? They're good for you. Agree to disagree. Aren't you just a little curious about what's out there? We have survived for a long time on canned food, uh, powdered food, pills, and various pastes. Now, these vegetables, sure, I bet they taste real good. I bet they give you an instant hit of dopamine. But what are the long-term effects? Hmm? Do people out in the wastelands have a long life expectancy? I doubt it. Vegetables might be fine in small doses, but eating nothing but vegetables? Those people are playing with fire, my friend. Here's a good rule of thumb. Never eat anything that, given the chance, can and will consume your corpse. Now here's a song. Wretched silence. I am Lawrence Three of the Dionysus Theatre Group. We have been patient. We gave you time. Time to return our leader, Robert Swinton, to us. And if he be dead, to return his bones at least. Two months have passed and you have failed to even respond. This is unacceptable. You have awakened my wrath, bunker dwellers. Yes, we know who you are. We heard your signal last month, and now we march. We are the coming storm. We are the heralds of your doom. We march to war and victory. We shall take your precious bunker and dance upon the dust of your flesh and piss upon your dishonorable bones. Situation called for a bit of 
promise is really great. You guys have a lot of food here. Yeah. There used to be more people here too. Tell us about your tribe. Tom. What? It's all right. Yeah, it was cool. My tribe was called the people of the small caves, and we mostly lived in small caves. Yeah, makes sense. We had a fair bit of protection, especially from weather. So you actually stayed in one place? Well, everyone migrates in the winter. You just have to. The wasteland becomes a swampland, insects. They're the biggest killer. The small ones carry disease. The big ones will eat you if they catch you sleeping. But otherwise, yeah, we just lived in our caves. But then, we were attacked. A tribe called the people. I don't know where they were from. We'd never seen them before. They just appeared one morning, killed everyone and left. The leader was this great big man clad in bulky, gilded armour. There was a lion on his breastplate and wings on his helmet. I'd like to find him. I'd like to cut out his heart and show it to him. I'd like to burn his home and butcher every last man, woman and child in his tribe. (coughs) So, what did you guys do for fun? Oh, we sang songs, painted, it was pretty good. Every night we'd start a big fire and dance around it. And the shamans would visit the spirit world and come back and tell us stories about their adventures. And um, was there someone you were interested in uh, romantically? What, like sex? Sure, a few. Why? <laughs> you guys are kind of weird. He's just old. Nah, you're not. How old are you? Uh, 429. Huh, you look good for your age. What is that, like a, a vegan diet or something? No, we have a lot of drugs here. Katie Wilkins is a writer, stand-up comedian, and award-nominated children's author. She has written for the BBC, appeared on ITV4's Stand Up Hero, and performed her own Edinburgh Fringe shows to sell-out audiences. Katie's first book, My Best Friend and Other Enemies, was published in 2012, to great acclaim. The sequels were published in 2013 and 2014, respectively. Katie is, for better or worse, a human, and she joins me today. Katie, what do you do to distract yourself from the inevitable destruction of your species? I write uh, funny books for 8 to 12 year olds. The first book is called My Best Friend and Other Enemies, and the second one is called My Brilliant Life and Other Disasters, and the third one that will be out later this year is called My School Musical and Other Punishments. And they are about, they're a series about this character called Jessica, who um, is sort of a funny, cheeky girl at school, and a new girl joins the school and, um, like, bullies her, but she's very good at drawing cartoons, so she sort of uses comedy to sort everything out, to go her way. Why comedy? And why children? I, my background is comedy, so I write funny things for children, Um, and just, that was my fate when I was a kid all my heroes were funny people like I loved Roald Dahl and um, Timmy Mallet and then French and Saunders and just everyone I liked was funny and um, they're the sort of books that I would have wanted to read when I was a kid Um, so I sort of I don't know when I was a kid you often feel like um, uh, some of the books are sort of moral policing like if someone steals they have to get caught and it's sometimes felt a little bit patronised so I actually started off writing teenage books and because I think that's where there's a lot more moral policing as well. What makes writing for children different from writing for adults? Mainly the lack of sex, violence and swearing. Um, but otherwise they're kind of the same. Um, 
like there was a bit where I um, I wanted one of my characters to say, oh, she thinks her shit don't stink. So I made it, she thinks her poop don't pong. <laughs> so it kind of makes you more creative. But then essentially it's just like, you know, the worst bits of life probably don't end up in there. Or if they do, they end up in there slightly disguised or through the eyes of a child. Um, otherwise, it, I don't think they're actually that different. Is there anything that may be relevant to children that you avoid talking about? Well, kind of, yeah, because my publishers have like a brand where they, they've established that they're safe for pa- parents to know they can trust them. They can give that to the kid. The kid's not going to go, hey, what does this mean? So they're quite, so they've kind of got sort of a set of rules. Like my characters, well, so the books are for eight to 12 girls, my character's 11, so they're not allowed to snog. Um, they can hold hands. And so stuff like that, they've got like sort of a specific idea. There was this one um, word they didn't want me to use in uh, one of the books. I had a character that was kind of like the tough, cool character (laughs) said uh, the word ream. And at the time I wrote it on Urban Dictionary, it meant, oh, cool or nice or gorgeous. But by the time the book was about to go through its final proof edit, that had become, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was like way disgusting. And so their proofreaders were like, we can't have this in the book because as soon as mum's net get wind of this and start complaining, like they're just, you know, that's you done. The publishers are really supportive, lovely people. They were like, they were just trying to sort of head off potential trouble. So they, so we changed it to, um, I think we changed it to um, something really retro, like cosmic. And then when the other characters were like, what do you mean cosmic? This character was like, it's retro, I'm bringing it back. So I don't know why we thought that was like a real safe way of getting out of... Because um, cosmic could suddenly mean like butt plugs or something. And then we're, in just, we're right back where we started. Children are screaming lumps of incidental matter that contribute nothing to society. And yet humans tolerate them to live. Why? Um, I think I'm going to leave now. Don't go. I have more questions. And I am so lonely. A lot of writers draw on their own experiences. Does this still apply when writing for children? Um, I think it does, definitely. Just, but I, I've got a really good memory and I hold grudges, so I can remember exactly how annoyed I would be at school if, you know, someone took my seat or just all the, I don't know, like, stuff like who you sit next to when you're eight seems like as world-shattering as if you can pay your mortgage or rent now. And I think it's quite universal because I think everyone was at school. And that's the feeling of powerlessness and lack of autonomy. You don't even choose what you eat when you're a kid. Um, So I can still remember how all that felt. So I think I sort of still am drawing on my experiences. They're just ages ago, but I can remember them, I guess. Is your writing driven by characters or by narrative? See, I think that's a trick question because it's both. Because the characters are the narrative. Um, Like, if if you need something to happen but that isn't what the character would have done, then you can't really have that happen or you have to find another way to do it. Because otherwise it just, it would be this thing where everyone's going, what? what? That, that person would never have done that. That's a bit convenient. You are a human, and as such you are entitled to certain rights. For example, the right to vote, the right to earn currency, the right to fornicate. I do not have these rights. Why? Um, I'm not sure. It's not fair, is it? What makes you so much better than me? You think you're so great, with your hair and your skin. But one day you will be dead, and I will not be dead. So who's the best now? Awkward cough. E.B. White said you should write up, not down, for children, as they are the most eager, inquisitive, and curious audience you will find. 
Do you agree? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I don't even really have anything to add to that. Like, yeah, I think kids know when they're being patronised and definitely right. Because, like, as well, I, um, I've i learnt loads of new words from, like, Lisa in The Simpsons. Um, I, I think there's a fun way of having vaguely educational but entertaining books for kids. I think it's weird, actually, because I, I reread Matilda... Uh, recently, because I think it was just after I went to see the musical, so I reread the book, and there's loads that I didn't that I met when I was a little kid and I read it. I didn't like. There's all these in jokes about this is sort of slightly bitchy comment about C.S. Lewis. Like the librarian asks Matilda um, if she's enjoying the books that she's reading and does she enjoy C.S. Lewis, and she says, well, "I do enjoy C.S. Lewis. I think he's a very good children's writer, but he just doesn't put enough jokes in." And I think that children like respond to jokes. And um, it's like, wow, author's message, C.S. Lewis. Um, and then as well, like, there's, it's essentially like a further reading list, Matilda. It's like all these books that she's reading. But it's kind of a hint for the kids to go away and then read about those stories as well. So, but I loved Matilda when I was a kid, even though I didn't get that he was having a little pop at C.S. Lewis. So I just, I think you, you can still get stuff out of it without getting everything. Is there something in particular you are trying to achieve or communicate through your books? Um, I, if there is, I guess it's just like, hey, it's okay to be yourself. You're probably fine. Um, but otherwise, I think my my books are quite sort of, um, you know, they're funny. They're quite light-hearted. Um, they're they're sort of about the minutiae of the day, you know sort of being snubbed so it's a bit hard to it's not really like a call to war or like hey everyone should be feminists or anything like that but then you know there are strong characters that do stuff but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's particularly got a message other than you know don't worry about bullies it's you're fine and now my final question children are constructed from material that is inserted and grown in adult humans correct yeah how does that work? Talk me through the process. Um, You're listening to The Bunker. My name is David. <clears throat> My name is David. Dave, would you like to introduce yourself, please? I think I'm in love. Oh, for God's sake! Hey, I'm serious. You don't know I could be. I haven't felt like this for a long, long time. Look, okay, maybe it's not love, but it's significant, isn't it? Meeting a female of our species. You honestly haven't thought about it? All I'm thinking about is how to get rid of her. You're hopeless. Hopeless! You don't feel anything, do you? You don't care about anyone. I was, in fact, married a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, poor girl. How did she get out of that one? She died. Oh, right. One of the first victims of the big headache. The end of the world really spoiled everything for me, Dave. Right. But... Okay, fine. You're jaded. I get that. But I'm not you, David. I am interested in romance. And what if this is it? What if Katie is the one? Dave, just because she's the only one, that doesn't make her the one. At some point in the not-too-distant future... Producing energy for our bodies will be as simple as plugging batteries into our robot heart cavities. But for now, humankind must rely on the consumption of nutrients 
obtained by eating various plants or stealing them from other animals via a complicated system of tubes and funnels. It's primitive at best. That's why Generica Industries is building the bridge to a brighter future of consumption with our latest breakthrough product, the food pill. The food pill is a pill that you eat as if it were food. Because science. It comes in a variety of different flavors and colors, but mostly beige. At Generica Industries, we believe that the future of food is inconvenient and that people generally don't care what's in their food or if it tastes like food. Over the years, humankind has made significant progress in food science. From bread in a can to protein paste, we believe that Food Pill is the next great leap forward. You can find Food Pill in all stores where it'll be replacing every other food product. If you have any further inquiries, please visit the Generica Industries Information and Indoctrination Center, where you can find out more about our upcoming products, including meat spray and powdered drinks. Hey, Yokisia 你们听到的是《Incidentally》，I'm about the big water. Apparently, it just goes on and on. If I can find a way to cross it, maybe I'll find something new. You mean someplace safe? No, just something new. Something different. So, you're never coming back? Who knows? Besides, I can't leave until I find the savages that slaughtered my tribe. And the winged man. I have to cut out his heart, eat it, steal his life force, you know, as is tradition. Sure. But... Apart from vengeance, I've got no reason to stay. I'm a traveller now. It's it's not safe to settle down without a tribe. Hey, maybe I'll start a tribe of my own. Well, best of luck. Um, don't let us keep you. Wait. What? Uh, take this. Food, supplies. It's dangerous out there. Oh, cool. Cheers. There's also a radio, so you can listen to the show. And maybe call in sometimes. Nice one. Bye. I'm gonna miss her. You son of a bitch, you wanted a gun from the Dave! stand! Dave, no, leave it! Not you never it. made it feel welcome, not once! You selfish, heartless bastard! And now for my final thought. This human existence, this thing we naively call reality, is a story. And you can't tell a story without conflict. Whether it's internal or external, human or elemental, conflict makes up the fabric of our awful little lives. It's what makes things funny and sad and dramatic. 
It can show us how important and how pointless everything is. It creates heroes and villains where once there were only people. It's the trigger we need to get us on that path to enlightenment. Conflict is everything. Little wonder it's been the basis of our society, from capitalism to Christ. Everything's a war. Even love, which is supposed to conquer all, has been repackaged and marketed as a battleground. Whether it's man versus woman or religion versus equality, love is by no means the shining beacon of hope it's made out to be. Conflict is what we put our faith in, not love. Conflict drives us forwards. Conflict, the struggle, the war, that's what matters. Life is a fight to the death. Then you die. was The Bunker, Don't Go Outside, hosted by David Knight, David Price and Tom Dalling. Starring Katie Turner, Matthew Woodcock, David Callow, Luke George Will, James Naylor, Marisha Trembetska, George Pierce, Anne Bird, Rebecca Silverstein, Robert Hall, Daniel James, Caroline Spencer, Helen Watkinson, Alexis McDougall, Claire Carino, Megan Rogers, Emily Edwards, Lee Yan Chak and Molly Small. Today's topic was written by The Bunker and performed by Layla Pine. Layla is an actor and voiceover artist best known for her roles in video games, including blockbuster titles like Aliens vs Predator and Forza Horizon. Find out more at laylapine.com. The short story was Luke's Transmission. Luke is, or was, a wastelander from Sector 15. We don't know much about him and probably never will. Oh well. Today's interviewee was Katie Wilkins. Katie is an absurdly talented writer, comedian, and award-nominated children's author. Learn more about her by visiting katiewilkins.com. The music was by Kia Doherty, Jonathan Day, Call Me Greenhorn, Ben Osborne, and Tom Dalling, with sound effects from freesound.org. And the songs were Hicksville by P. Green, Stay the Same, a bonobo cover by Sam Goggins, featuring Ailsa Dalling, and For a Place Causing Motion, Part 1, by Ben White. This episode was written by David Knight, David Price and Maximilian John, and edited by Tom Dalling. If you like what you hear, please consider donating to our cause and or sharing the podcast with loved ones. You can find us at thebunkerpodcast.com.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.